heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound in all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Psalm 96. Well, like so many other things this year, Thanksgiving is going to look quite a bit different for most of us. It's kind of ironic, isn't it? It's almost sardonic that we would take a moment, a pause, to be thankful and grateful for a year that's brought us so much anxiety. But it is the Thanksgiving season. And even if we do it out of stubbornness or defiance or rebellion, by golly, we're going to be grateful. We may say it through gritted teeth, but we're going to wish the world a happy Thanksgiving. And we'll very soon do the same with happy holidays in just a few days. For all the challenges and emotions we've known since our last Thanksgiving season, we can surely be grateful that God has never, ever left us alone, abandoned us in our need. Now, I'm keenly aware that not everyone is feeling so grateful today. There are many who are still in the thick of their own personal battles. Pam and Marcia mentioned several of them just a few minutes ago, some of them COVID-related and some not. And I know that it's not always easy to feel fortunate when you feel swallowed by misfortune. But if I could encourage you at all today, it would be to simply and gently remind you that if you can't think of a thing at all to be grateful for, please be reminded that this little church is holding you close, lifting you up, talking to God, sometimes pleading on your behalf, and we're always ready to minister to you. I hope you can find some comfort in that and maybe even be grateful for it because we are grateful. As your church and your pastors, your faith community, we're grateful to God that we do get to be those things for you. Now, one of the things that I'm most grateful for are the wonderful people and relationships in my life. I'm surrounded by caring friends and trusted co-workers. I never had sisters growing up, but I do have two beautiful ones now in Marcia and Pam. Being a grandpa is one of the most magnanimous things I'll, I'll ever get to be. And I get to be a G-pa four times. The most incredible joy I'll ever know is hearing my kids, Casey and Christian, call me dad. And the love of my life, Mason brings me happiness that I can't begin to express. I am incredibly blessed. I'm blessed to have people in my life who encourage me, cheer me on, lift me up, hold me close, and keep me in check. And they teach me things. Mason and I met several years ago. Back then, he was busy getting his own life sorted out. So was I. But over the years, I've watched him dig deep and search for himself. I've observed as he's learned more and more about his people, his heritage, his land. And he's going to tell you more about himself in just a little bit. But I wanted to make sure that you get to see him as I have. I've watched him connect in spiritual ways with his indigenous ancestors 
and the sacred meaning that it's brought to his life. It's been beautiful to see and inspiring to follow. And I'm proud today that he's here to bring us to a place of provoking wisdom and thoughtful thanksgiving. I've learned a lot at Mason's Encouraging. I've learned that there's a sacredness in creation and that creation rejoices in the declaration of God's work in the world. The Bible is full of texts that remind us of the importance and the sacredness of that creation. The psalmist said, The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of God's hands. As nature itself gives thanks for its sacredness, let us join in that declaration and be reminded of those who came before us, those who loved, treasured, and tended to this land and all that it held long before us. And let us be filled with thanksgiving as Mason comes. Good morning. morning. My name is Mason Miller Bishop. And I am from the Pueblos of Acoma, Laguna, and Zuni, located in what is now called New Mexico. The song from the announcement loop is from Joy Harjo. Uh, She is of the Muscogee Creek Nation, and she is a musician and the first Native American poet laureate. There will be a short video towards the end of the service, as Kenny said, uh, featuring a poem by Ms. Harjo. And the photos you see, you'll see later on during my uh, Thanksgiving address were created by Thosh Collins. He is Osage, Pima, and Iroquois. And I make a point to give credit and to say their names out loud to exemplify the diversity among indigenous peoples, which you can see here in this map. This is a map of what North America looked like prior to European and Spanish contact. It's so colorful because it indicates where all of the indigenous territories were or are today. Many of them overlap because these communities were migratory and because borders on the land are arbitrary colonial constructs. Here in Kentucky, we are primarily on Cherokee and Shawnee land. This land was also used by the Chickasaw, Osage, and Yuchi. These people nurtured the land and loved it, prepared it for use today. These people were forcibly removed by the U.S. government. We are on native land. If you are not in Kentucky, I encourage you to find out whose land you occupy, and I hope that after today, you can begin to think about why you might make reparations or help give land back. No matter where you are, you are on native land. The United Church of Christ has a long history of standing up for underrepresented people, and they are even responsible for coining the term environmental racism. They helped establish that or prove that less affluent communities, which are typically communities of color, suffer from environmental disparities more often than richer or white communities. The UCC has rallied for the people of Flint in their fight for clean water and stood with the Standing Rock Nation as they battle against pipelines. Now, my husband and I, we consider ourselves amateur gardeners, bringing the story a little closer to home. (laughs) We love pretty, interesting, and diverse plants. And trying to incorporate um, some 
food plants in our yard, I've installed a plot of three sisters. My version had glass gem corn, Cherokee trail of tear beans, and jack-o'-lantern pumpkins. I also have a three-pile compost system going as my way of renewing the earth. The other day, the grandkids came to pick some pumpkins, and I loved overhearing Kenny try to explain what compost piles are. <laughs> I think I heard him say something like, we're making dirt, which is about as simple and beautiful as it can get. Occasionally, Kenny comes home with a new plant, and one day over the summer, he came home with a bushy, Unonymous Fortunii, put it in a pretty pot and proudly put it on display. If you're not familiar with the scientific name, Unonymous Fortunii is winter creeper, and it's considered an invasive species. It comes from East Asia. We see it everywhere, crawling across lawns and climbing up trees and buildings. Invasive species are called so because they smother the native plants by consuming all of the resources available, and they do not provide food to local animals. We see them all over because they are still sold in plant shops, along with honeysuckle, burning bush, English ivy. Those of us working in ecological restoration are always removing these, and it's a truly maddening aspect to the work that we do. Now, I've been learning a lot, not just about ecology, but also my heritage and the unjust nature of the systems we are forced to live in, we being all of us. And I have to admit that I'm angrier and sadder than the last time I was up here. I cannot help but to feel pain empathizing with my ancestors and indigenous brothers and sisters. For many of us see this world as post-apocalyptic. This upcoming Thursday, while most people will be feasting on Thanksgiving, I will be fasting, honoring it as the national day of mourning. I do not begrudge anyone who chooses to celebrate Thanksgiving, for it has become a tradition embedded in American culture. It prompts us to uh, prepare large meals, travel, and the end goal is to gather with loved ones. Now, I do not speak for all of us indigenous peoples. Some celebrate Thanksgiving as a celebratory, we resisted, we're still here. It does, however, as Marsha pointed out earlier in the children's moment, have some darker origins that perpetuate a myth and a scary framework that plays a key part in the way people of color live today. I want to pause for a moment here and say, if you begin to feel uncomfortable in any way, I ask that you lean into that discomfort and ask yourself why. It's healthy to challenge the way that we think. It's how we learn. And it's one of the benefits of diversifying your perspective to include people that do not look like you. It is the first step to decolonize your mind. As an indigenous person raised by a white man receiving a white man's education in Kentucky, I can promise you that I have had to challenge my own thinking because I was taught the same things as you. 
Thanksgiving not only marks the beginning of the mass genocide against the original people and the slow destruction of this land, but actually tells a false narrative that the pilgrims and Indians feasted peacefully together, a story perpetuated by Abraham Lincoln in an attempt to whitewash America's exploitative nature. In reality, the Europeans came here on a mission from God to claim all of the land that they could find. The Spanish came here to convert everyone to Christianity. Both countries did this by any means necessary. Residential schools, forced removal, murder, rape, maiming, and they brought disease along with them. This is a story of colonialism planted in a pretty pot and put on display. And by the way, if the original story of gathering at someone's home and spreading diseases or viruses on Thanksgiving doesn't teach us anything this year during a pandemic, then. <laughs> when indigenous peoples were forcefully removed from their homelands, they were separated from their livelihoods. Our traditional landscapes have foods, medicines, and stories. They are our places of origin and where we go when our bodies can no longer sustain our spirits. Our relationship with the land is not one-sided. Mother Earth gives us abundant gifts and indigenous people know how to give gifts back to her, gifts of sustainability, care, and gratitude. They managed this land in such a way that was sustainable for themselves and for her. Today, indigenous people remain the sole protectors of the majority of Earth's biodiversity. By separating native peoples from their traditional homelands, both continue to suffer. And that trauma gets passed down from generation to generation. That is why it's important for me to heal so I don't carry that pain and pass it along. And it's important for you to understand that truth. My own native mother, who I never got to meet, died a lonely alcoholic death. I asked myself, I'm sorry, I myself have survived the many abuses of an alcoholic father and I've pushed back and held my own alcoholic demon at bay for over eight years. Everything I have learned about my heritage has been on my own, and it's been hard. The unfairness makes me angry, and I know I'm not alone. Many indigenous people's stories are not unsimilar from my own, just the details are different. Statistically, Native people have higher rates of suicide, missing persons, especially women and children, depression, alcoholism, drug addiction, diabetes, and other health issues. These are historical traumas manifested, and the result is the endangerment of our culture and languages. Meanwhile, the invasive colonialistic species is hard at work. Large-scale farming of monoculture crops has depleted our soil. Coal mining has removed entire mountaintops. The forests are wildly on fire. Animals and plants are going extinct. Ecosystems are collapsing. The atmosphere becomes more and more toxic. Ice is melting. Dams and border walls hinder natural animal migrations and water flow. 
And that's only a little bit. Colonialism has come in, taken up all the resources, killing the mother that we share. In a system designed by white people for white people, it is going to take the solidarity of all of us to decolonize this framework. At the end of the day, we are using the same land. That's not going to change. And no one is asking for that to change. I believe, I know that we all want to be happy. And I believe that we want that for each other. But there's a disconnect. This has been a big year of social and racial unrest. We've seen countless protests because black lives do matter. And that has been a huge push in the direction of decolonization. And it's only the beginning. And you know what? Some of your white ancestors were allies too. In 1830, when Andrew Jackson implemented the Indian Removal Act, there were protests back then, too, because even some white people knew that it was wrong. Knowing that we have always had allies gives me hope. The fact that I'm standing up here and that BCC would have me speak, period, is a step toward decolonization. Me being here is proof of the resiliency of my ancestors. Now, I'd love for you to join me in the Onondaga Nation Thanksgiving Address again. It is a little lengthy, but I would like to remind you that indigenous people acknowledge that the energy and time it takes to say these words gives them power and meaning. The things that we are going to be expressing gratitude for are not things. They are gifts from our mother, always giving. Take care of these gifts so that you can give them away too. Today we have gathered and when we look upon the faces around us, we see that the cycles of life continue. We have been given the duty to live in balance and harmony with each other and all living things. So now, let us bring our minds together as one as we give greetings and thanks to each other as people. We are thankful to our mother, the earth, for she gives us everything that we need for life. She supports our feet as we walk about upon her. It gives us joy that she continues to care for us just as she has from the beginning of time. To our mother, we send thanksgiving, love, and respect. We give thanks to all the waters of the world for quenching our thirst, providing strength and nurturing life for all beings. We are grateful that the waters are still here and meeting their responsibility to the rest of creation. Let us agree that water is important to our lives and bring our minds together as one to send greetings and thanks to the water. We turn our thoughts to all of the fish life in the water. They were instructed to cleanse and purify the water. They also give themselves as food. We are grateful that they continue to do their duties and send to the fish our greetings and thanks. Now we turn toward the vast fields of plant life. 
As far as the eye can see, the plants grow, working many wonders. They sustain many life forms. With our minds gathered together, we give thanks and look forward to seeing plant life for many generations to come. When we look about us, we see that the berries are still here, providing us with delicious foods. The leader of the berries is the strawberry, the first to ripen in the spring. We are grateful that the berries are with us in the world and send our thanksgiving, love, and respect to the berries. With one mind, we honor and thank all of the food plants we harvest from the garden, especially the three sisters who feed the people with such abundance. We gather together in our minds all of the plant foods and send them a greeting and thanks. Now we turn to the medicine herbs of the world. From the beginning, they were instructed to take away sickness. They are always waiting and ready to heal us. With one mind, we send thanksgiving, love, and respect to the medicines and the keepers of the medicines. Standing around us, we see all the trees. The earth has many families of trees who each have their own instructions and uses. Some provide shelter and shade, others fruit and beauty, and many other useful gifts. The maple is the leader of the trees to recognize its gift of sugar when the people need it most. With one mind, we greet and thank the tree life. We gather our minds together to send our greetings and thanks to all the beautiful animal life of the world. They have many things to teach us as people, and we are grateful that they continue to share their lives with us and hope that it will always be so. Let us put our minds together as one and send our thanks to the animals. We put our minds together as one and thank all the birds who move and fly about above our heads. The Creator gave them the gift of beautiful songs. Each morning they greet the day and with their songs remind us to enjoy and appreciate life. The eagle was chosen to be their leader and to watch over the world. To all the birds from the smallest to the largest, we send our joyful greetings and thanks. We are thankful for the powers we know as the four winds. We hear their voices in the moving air as they refresh us and purify the air we breathe. They help to bring the change of seasons from the four directions they come, bringing us messages and giving us strength. With one mind, we send our greetings and thanks to the four winds. Now we turn to the west where our grandfathers, the thunder beings, live. With lightning and thundering voices, they bring with them the water that renews life. We bring our minds together as one to send greetings and thanks to our grandfathers, the thunderers. We now send greetings and thanks to our eldest brother, the sun. Each day without fail, he travels the sky from east to west, bringing the light of a new day. 
He is the source of all the fires of life. With one mind, we send greetings and thanks to our brother, the Son. We put our minds together and give thanks to our oldest grandmother, the moon. She lights the nighttime sky. She is the leader of women all over the world, and she governs the movement of the ocean tides. By her changing face, we measure time. And it is the moon who watches over the arrival of children here on earth. Let us gather our thanks for Grandmother Moon together in a pile, layer upon layer of gratitude, and then joyfully fling that pile of thanks high into the night sky so that she will know it. With one mind, we send greetings and thanks to our grandmother, the moon. We give thanks to the stars who are spread across the sky like jewelry. We see them at night, helping the moon to light the darkness and bringing dew to the gardens and growing things. When we travel at night, they guide us home. With our minds gathered as one, we send greetings and thanks to all the stars. We gather our minds to greet and thank these enlightened teachers who have come to help throughout the ages. When we forget how to live in harmony, they remind us of the way we were instructed to live as people. With one mind, we send greetings and thanks to these caring teachers. We now turn our thoughts to the Creator, or Great Spirit, and send greetings and thanks for all the gifts of creation. Everything we need to live a good life is here on Mother Earth. For all the love that is still around us, we gather our minds together as one and send our choicest words of greetings and thanks to the Creator. We have now arrived at the place where we end our words. Of all the things we have named, it is not our intention to leave anything out. If something was forgotten, we leave it to each individual to send such greetings and thanks in their own way. Thanks for joining us for the Bluegrass United Church of Christ podcast. We'd love to have you join us for a service sometime. We meet on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at 500 Don Anna Drive in Lexington, Kentucky. You can find us online at bluegrasschurch.org.